Hey y'all, welcome back, Jones and Jonesy. It's episode five here. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about black educators side hustling. Thanks for listening. Today's interview is going to be a little bit different than before. It's actually an interview of um, of me from another podcaster. His name is Leonard Wilson. He is the CEO of the Black Scholars Podcast. So. If you guys are on Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, make sure you guys check that out. I also want to um, make note that I will be putting that information in the description box. So you'll be able to contact um, or find his IG rather. Podcast, your podcast is dope. Before we actually talk about the podcast, let's revert all the way back. And who's Yolanda? Who are you? Ha. Well... My name is Erica Jones. I am an educator. Yolanda Faye comes from a deep root of me. Um, I don't have any children yet, and my first daughter, I would like her to be Yolanda Faye, but since I don't have any kids, I figured, listen, Yolanda Faye got to be born. Now, I got the name from both of my mothers. I was adopted by my biological aunt, so my mother is sisters with my biological mother. And um, both of their middle names was Faye and Yolanda. So I figured, you know, people, guys always name their children after, you know, the first guy. But I, if I had to name my first daughter, I would use both of my mother's middle names. So then Yolanda Faye came about. So that's who Yolanda Faye is. But it's more deep-rooted of who I am as far as um, I like to live life, pretty much, regardless of whatever challenges I was faced. As I said, I was adopted. So life was a little bit different for me. I found out when I was 15 and from then on my life i decided like myself at 15 year old that i need to change my mindset i need to change my life like moving forward just because you know it's just you look at life different it's like you know your whole the whole time i was looking at my life as oh you know life is great i'm watching maury shows because that was when maury was big and it's you're not the father you're not the father and then i turn around it's like hold on wait you're not my parents like for real So I just decided to just turn that around and like, you know, from the love of my parents and my family, I just decided to continue and, you know, just live life and continue and um, be successful as far as uh, getting my degrees. I got my associates, bachelors and masters. So the master's degree got me into the teaching thing. So that's where I'm at now. And now I'm doing podcasting. So I'm just stepping outside of all type of realms, you know. And so uh, let's get into the teaching. Um, what grade and subject are you currently teaching right now? I teach high school grades 9 through 12. And I'm an ENL teacher, English as a new language. And because of that, I teach all grades. So I'm certified for K through 12. But because I'm in a high school setting, I teach all um, grades. It's all mixed together based on the levels. Okay, dope, dope. And how long have you been teaching? I've been teaching for, let's see, this is going on to 2018-19 year, so that's like three, this will be my fourth year. Okay, okay. Yeah. Fourth year, dope. So what got you into teaching? What made you want to get into be an educator? Well, growing up, I felt like playing school was always fun, and um, being in school, I always... I always gravitated towards the students that didn't speak English. Like a lot of my, um, all my best friends were like people who came from 
descendants of countries that are not America. So I don't know. I always gravitated towards it. And at some point I felt like, you know, I actually want to help these kids because I've not that I've been through it with them, but I was there seeing them go through all the struggles that they went through. And I still didn't um, feel like they were different than me, that I couldn't be friends with them, even though I didn't speak the language at the time. Like I spoke Spanish when I was a kid because my dad's Puerto Rican, but it was a little bit different in the classroom setting. So I felt like I want to kind of join this together. I want to give back and I want to bring this classroom to life of my own, you know. So you're going to be going into your fourth year teaching, and again, the subject is E-L-N? E-N-L. E-N-L. Okay, yes. my bad. E-N-L. Okay, okay. Is that like, because um, I'm in Tennessee, what what state are you actually in? I'm in New York State, Long Island, New York. Okay, so like in Tennessee, they call it English as a second language. Is yeah. that similar? Yes, same thing. But I guess okay. in New York, I'm not sure if they change it nationally, but they definitely change it in New York because in New York there's hundreds of languages here. So right. they wanted to make it that because um, some of these students that are coming in don't only know one language. They know about three languages. So it's English as a new language as opposed to just a second language. Dope. And um, so those students who you teach, are they like almost brand spanking new to America or have they been here for a few years or are they like first generation Americans? Some of my students um, just get here maybe a month ago. Usually the process, it might take like a month or so for them to be processed and put into schools once they arrive to the U.S. So I get some of those students. I get some students that have been here for maybe a year, but um most of my students have been um, in the States no more than about five years because usually about five years that students can transition out of the program so then they can be in regular classes. So in your position, are you required to speak to them in their native language or you only speak to them and teach them in English? I only am required to speak to them in, uh, and teach them in English. I am okay. bilingual, but um, that is not a requirement as an ENL teacher. So you speak Spanish fluently? Yes, I do. Okay. And did you learn that from the dad side, your dad's side of the family? Yeah. And okay. the neighborhood. He's Puerto Rican? Yeah, he's Puerto Rican. Okay. Okay. Dope. Yeah. So let me see. So for going into your fourth year, teaching high school, how's it? How's your experience been teaching high school? Is this the only grade level that you've been in? Um, I was in a middle school setting my first year, uh, okay. first two years. And this is the first time I'm in a high school setting. And it's very different. I feel like the I like it more. And then there's some things where I'm just like, okay, here we go with the high school kids. You know, like older teenagers is a different level than the, the little teenagers that are just getting into it, you know. Right, right. Um, I did the reverse. So I taught high school starting out. And then the past, what, four or five years, I've been doing all middle school. And um, I mean, I know how I did high school. I know how I survived. But <laughs> middle school, like I still like their innocence. You know, they don't they don't want to disappoint you. Right. Yeah, some of them are like 13 going on 30. But usually when you just have that one on one conversation with them, mm -hmm. they calm down. Right. Um, high school, you can have a one on one conversation with them. You still might have some issues because they really do think that they're grown. Um, so, yeah, that's that's interesting. Interesting. Um, so besides and so we're going to talk about really for educators, black educators, um, almost like we're going to talk about podcasting. But I want to go a little bit deeper than that. Let's talk about side hustles. 
Okay. So this is actually, and tell me if I'm wrong, this is your second career, right? Like you weren't yep. originally an educator. You did something else full time. Yes. Um, I'm also a like New York State licensed optician. Okay. Um, I deal with eyeglasses and contact lenses. I'm the eyewear fitter. And um, I've been doing that since 2005. I got licensed in 2005. I jumped into a program at a community college by my house, and um, I didn't know what I wanted to do in life, but I just know I wanted to make money. And I saw something in a newspaper article that said, if you can go to school for this in two years, you can make about $40,000. Now, at 18... $40,000 40, right. $40, is, That's good money. yeah, $20 an hour is really good money. So I was like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. And then if I want to do something else in life, I still can because this is only a two-year program and I'm still going to be making money. So I jumped into that. I'm still doing that. I've been doing that since then. So what is about 15 years, 2005, something like that. But um, yeah, so I love doing it. It's different. It has, you know, matured me and grown me into a professional field, so to say. And then going back to college and becoming an educator, that was just a plus. I figured, you know, if I'm going to have this profession already, I might as well go back to school, get another degree and make some more money. So that's just what I decided to do. I don't know. <laughs> so you got your certifications through your associate degree program. Is that correct? Yes. You don't need and- an associate's degree program to be an optician, but right. that's what I did at the moment. And then um, what did you study in undergrad? In undergrad, I got my bachelor's degree in um, Spanish. I minored in Latin American Caribbean studies, and then I went and got my master's in education. Okay. So did you get a um, master's in teaching or do your master's in education? In teaching. Okay. So the MAT, yep, same thing here. Um, So actually, and we have a lot parallel too. So you started as uh, an optician. Did I say that right? Yep. Um, I started actually out in banking. So um, I remember being in college and my advisor was looking at my transcript and was like, you should be an English teacher. And I looked at her and I laughed because I'm like, there's no way possible. Y'all going to get me in the classroom. These kids is bad. Y'all don't want to pay nobody anything. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm not going to be doing that. Well, fast forward. A bunch of years and you know I realized that banking wasn't the career for me long term uh-huh. and it wasn't that I was struggling actually I got offered like promotions over and over and over again it was that um, I didn't I didn't see me doing it long term and so I got an education now besides being an actual teacher and we're gonna talk about the podcast in a second but <laughs> besides being an actual teacher um, I actually sell cars Oh, on the wow, side. Okay. I've been doing that for like the past, what, four years. Um, besides selling cars, I also write books. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I saw your book. I saw writer. that. Um, I've got a publishing company. And, and then, you know, now I'm doing the podcast, too. So, you know, it's a fine balance trying to balance all those things. Um, how do you do it? Man, uh, so many things. I guess just where I come from and how I grew up that's just that's that's my drive my family is my drive my parents my brother and sister they just they really drive me to do things because we're all we all have about five jobs I feel like but at the same time I feel like there's more I need to do more like being an optician I felt like I had to help society 
and I couldn't do it from that end. So let me become a teacher so I could start on that end and become being a teacher. I feel like, you know, not that you're closed in a classroom as an educator, but I want to expand the horizons with that. And I want to not step out of the classroom, but be in the classroom at the same time and still expand the knowledge because there's so many people out there, so many um, young individuals out there that don't have the knowledge that we have, you know, up to this point that they just, they're, they're yearning for it. They want it. Like some of these kids, a lot, even people in my family, like people want to go to college and stuff and they may not have the resources and the people around them that are actually helping them to get these, um, to be successful at whatever they want to do, you know? So I, um, I had a conversation with, um, Ariel Wright, um, uh, teacher in Memphis and also uh, Sonia B. Scott, make sure I say her middle initial, uh, <laughs> who, who teaches out in Louisiana. And uh, although our episode or our interview wasn't necessarily about, you know, the art of side hustling or about educators being able to earn additional income, we kind of both like discussed that. And so I want to discuss that with you specifically. Okay. So here's my theory. Here's my theory. You don't like it, throw it back, but I'm throwing it out there. Go okay? ahead. <laughs> so I believe, so as educators, we all know what we're going to earn before we even start teaching, correct? Right. Correct. Okay. Right. And you know, some states are better paid than other states. And then you have to take into consideration cost of living and all of those other things. Your bill. Where was I? Where was I? Oh, what was I saying? We're talking I about the cost okay, of okay, living. Okay. I'm good. I got it. I got it. So, um, you know, as educators or, or, or prospective educators, right? Mm -hmm. We all knew what we would be making. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you know, take into consideration the lifestyle that you want to live, um, what state you'll be living in, what city, the cost of living. And so if you know, you're going into a situation and you know that you're going to be severely underpaid for your contribution and impact to society, mm -hmm. here's my argument. As a teacher, and I do know that there are long days, there are long nights, there are long days. I get it. It's a lot of grading. It's <laughs> a lot of looking at data. It's a lot of trying to figure out um, what makes this kid tick. How can I get this kid to understand this information? Mm -hmm. I might not be able to solve that in the seven and a half hours I have in the actual school building, which might mean I need to stay after school and do additional work, or maybe I need you know, to go home and do something else, mm -hmm. but then I'm going to get back to that work. So either it could be a seven and a half hour day or it could be a 14, 15 hour day, right. just depending on the day. Correct. Right. So I think it's fair to say we're all uh, severely underpaid, <laughs> yeah. but we knew going into it, it would be like this. Right. So let me get into the argument. Let me get into the argument. I had to set it up first. Let me okay. get into the argument. So because we know this information already, and we know that it's, I mean, the whole, and you've heard this before, oh, you teachers have it easy, you educators have it easy, you get summers off, you get three months off. Oh my gosh. And, and all educators just stare, like, are you crazy? <laughs> are you crazy? Right now, I am in Nashville uh, for, you know, three days, simply because I'm on a testing committee with the state and I'm doing some extra. And then in July, I got something else I got to do. And then I got something else I got to do in July before. Next thing I know, we go back. Right. Right. It's not, no, I don't get three months. I barely get four weeks off. Right. So what are you talking about? And even then I'm still constantly thinking about how can I improve my practice? Right. All right. Let me stop rambling. Okay. 
<laughs> it's okay. I feel like I feel like because we know what we got ourselves into that it's almost negligent. It's gross negligence that you don't plan to hustle outside of standing in that classroom because I hate going into the teacher's lounge. I hate, you know, when it's lunchtime and I'm about to go to, you know, Chick-fil-A or whatever restaurant to grab me something to eat. I ask, hey, you want something that, you know, oh, no, I can't do that. I can't afford that. I'm broke. Right. Look at him. I'm like, but you don't have to be. Right. And, you know, another thing is that some um, teachers look at me and they're like, how do you have two jobs, two careers? And I'm looking at them like, how do you not? (laughs) Not. How do you not? And and, you know, you know, you've got, um, you know, two steady streams of income coming in. Mm-hmm. I've got at least two steady streams of income coming in just simply from working for someone else. Right. Mm-hmm. But what, what you've got going on with your podcast, I'm sure you're trying to figure out ways to grow that brand, grow your audience yep. and monetize your podcast. I'm doing the exact same thing. I think we talked about this before. I did tell you I had two podcasts, right? Yeah. Yeah, I got two podcasts. So my overall goal is actually to not only monetize it and grow the impact and the audience and whatnot, um, but I actually want to start a network, like with an actual studio where there are actually local podcasters coming in and I can help them with their shows record their shows nice and it might it might be me to start off with but eventually i want to hire and grow it and then it's just mine right right? but other people are actually doing the work it's just mine i just delegate this is your role this is what you need to do you know that's my actual that's my actual goal with the podcast besides having an actual impact and creating great content and helping other people like for this one specifically it's focused on black educators right right that's pretty cool though so again, I go back to that argument. I knew going into education, it would be underpaid. Mm-hmm. So I knew that there would, with the time that I have available, and what what time do you guys get out of school usually? Like, what's your what's your school day beginning and end? We start at eight. Um, I usually get in at seven. I'm one of the few people that are there at seven, okay. but um, we end at two forty five, depending on if we have meetings, something like that. Okay. Usually, my day ends at four. Okay. And um, do you guys have at least one day that you dedicate after school to like professional development or faculty meetings and PLCs and whatnot? Yes, we do. We have that at least once a week. Okay. Is it the same day consistently? Um, Usually it's the same day. Okay. Yeah. Pretty much same thing here. Um, Mondays are pretty much either faculty, PLC, right. work with your, your peer and your subject or department meeting or it's something. Every right. Monday we got something going on. So outside of that, um, pretty much, I can clock out at two fifteen. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that I always do that. Maybe I have tutoring. Maybe I have to uh, give an assessment after school because that's the only time that the kid can make it up. Um, or I got something else going on, right? But I can leave at two fifteen. So I look at it like I have enough time to technically have two careers, right? You know. Or, or more, you know, I, that's how I look at it. Like I have all this time available and it's not always consistently that I have that time because, you know, me as an English teacher, I've got a lot of 
papers to grade. And I do actually make my kids write a whole lot Same. to the point it's at my detriment because right. I'm the one that has to read it get <laughs> feedback, right, on every single thing. Um, but I'm getting smarter and wiser the more the more I, um, I as I progress. Yeah, each in my year, right? Each year it gets better, right? <laughs> it gets better because then you're like, oh, okay, I need to stop doing that. <laughs> right. Let me figure out a system for this, right? So then, like, I'll assign the kids an essay, but instead of me focus on the entire thing, I'll just focus on the introduction. Right. First, right. One little paragraph. That's all I got to read. One little paragraph. If that paragraph is good, then next day we'll focus on something else. So I've, I've learned how to scaffold and chunk for myself. Right. Because right, it helps so both. Still, yeah. So I can still have a life, you know, or somewhat of a life. Right. Even if that life is me generating additional uh, income, which is necessary for me and my family. Seriously. So I say all that to say this. Why don't more teachers have side hustles like why don't more teachers when they get home or when they leave the school building when they're not grading why don't they do more like what is it a work ethic thing or is it they feel that because they're professional they shouldn't have to do anything else like what what's your theory on it why are these teachers broken they don't have to be a lot of teachers say that they're too busy because they might have to take care of their children. They might have to do this, you know, cook and all of these things. But I feel like you can make time for whatever you choose to make time for. If you know that you have all of these things to do during the week, then maybe on the weekend you can plan and prepare for it so that you can have time to do other things during the week. I try to do things like that, like over the weekend, it's not like a fun time for me. The weekend is the busiest time for me because I try to prepare for the whole week so that the week, if I want to do anything outside of school, like after school, after meetings or anything, that I do have the time, that I'm not sitting till 10 o'clock every night doing lesson plans, preparing and scaffolding for the next, you know, the next week or whatever, you know, whatever. So I feel like I definitely like to utilize my time wisely and... Um, I think that's just the best way to do it. Do you do you feel like because you are doing so much that you are kind of forced to be more effective and efficient with your time? Like, do you do you get a, a planning period every day? Typically? Yes, I do. Okay. get I do get a planning period every day. I get a few planning periods every day, but I don't utilize them the way I should. That's another thing that I have to change for next year. Like, I really have to utilize them and do you know, from beginning to the end of the bell, just do work so that I'm not bringing any work home because a lot of teachers that I speak to don't even bring work home. So in my mind, I'm thinking, wow, they're not bringing work home. So if I try this new strategy, that could be extra time that I can put into my own personal brand, which is what I'm, you know, what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to build my brand. So this is just certain things that I have to finagle with. Yeah. And I definitely learned that this year. I'm actually proud of myself this year. I use my lunch period i use my planning period if there was a program uh, going on like you know i kind of walk with the kids down to the gym and i find a way to just kind of disappear i'm just (laughs) going to the bathroom for a while 30 minutes later um or or i'll bring my laptop in the gymnasium with me or wherever we are right um because i'm not teaching right like the kids are on the program right now so you know i'm kind of watching but at the same time like i'm trying to get work done trying to finish grading or finish putting in grades or you know checking papers or whatever i need to do um 
And so I do aim to try to finish everything before I leave the building. Now, is that 100% of the time? No. Um, I aim to improve that next year. And for any black educators, um, black or brown educators listening to this right now, like you've got to get on your side hustle. You do not have to be broke. Um, Right. We know that it's a false narrative that we get three months off. We know that's a false narrative that we just work, you know, X number of hours a day and then we can go home or we know that teaching is not glorified babysitting, not if you're doing it effectively and you're trying to be the best at what you do uh, and you're passionate about it and passionate about the kids. Absolutely. But I just feel like if you're listening to this and you are a black scholar, a black educator, like seriously, like it is time. Like we can't sit back and play broke and do all of this and woe is me. Nobody cares. But not only that, I feel like I also side hustle more to enjoy life. Because like you said, people are living paycheck to paycheck. They might not be able to treat themselves to lunch, but I'm trying to do more than just treat myself to lunch. I'm trying to take vacations. I like to travel a lot and I feel like I need to be able to have the bills paid and have a little bit of this side money so that I can travel because that's not cheap. And, you know, it costs to travel. It definitely costs to travel. I don't like seeing people penny pitching on like silly stuff. Like, you know, we go to Starbucks and I'm like, oh, I don't know how you can afford a latte. <laughs> I'm like, dude, it's four dollars. Are you kidding me? Right. You ain't got four dollars. And it's like, no, nah, don't. I'm like, because you ain't hustling. Yeah. You ain't hustling. You worried about every little thing. I'm right. not worried about it. And I'm not saying that, you know, I don't need more money or that I don't want more money because definitely I do. Um, but so let me ask you this. So you're going into your fourth year teaching. Have you started doing anything like outside of your school that will give you like additional income as far as being an educator, like anything with the state department or tutoring Um, after school or coaching or anything extra? I do um, tutor after school. I tutor um, my students because some of them, like I said, they're just getting to the country. So a lot of them, and in the high school, you have to take all of these uh, New York State Regents exams in order to graduate. So these students coming here speak no English, and they are forced to take these state exams. So I like to help them with um, a lot of their practice with the different subjects, social studies, science. Because I'm an ENL teacher, I'm pretty much an English teacher, and I can teach around all subjects. So we like to... um, you know, brush up on the vocabulary words so that they're familiar with these words when they see them on tests. I also do a lot of, uh, I do the debate club after school. We talk about hot topics going on. Uh, last year, a hot topic was gun control, having allowing teachers to have guns, you know, different things like that, where I feel like in high school, a lot of the students are struggling to communicate with each other because I feel like in my generation, you know, I'm an 80s baby. Growing up, we didn't have cell phones, anything like that until I got to like high school. So we learned how to communicate with each other. And because these kids are not utilizing their communication skills, um, I feel that there's a lot of depression going on and stuff. So I like to try to help these kids learn how to use their communication skills. Like we need to talk face to face. If there's a problem, it's okay that we don't agree, but we also need to learn how to talk about it. Definitely, I definitely agree with that. But the reason why I brought that up, see, I'm still thinking about the money right now. That's all great. I, we want we want the kids learning, but I, I'm talking about the money right now. So do you get paid for tutoring or um, doing a debate club? I love debate Yes, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, uh, I do get paid for that. I do get paid. Uh, tutoring, I don't get paid. It is just something that I do nonprofit because I just feel like the kids need it. But eventually I am um, looking into um, starting maybe a educational uh, 
maybe a, like a system working with kids after school where they can come and maybe their parents can come because maybe some t- some of my students have uh, troubles at home because their parents don't know the language either. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to create a program where we're joining the kids with their parents and we're communicating together where we're learning English together. And it's not just the students in school because, again, in my other job in the optical store, I see a lot of stu- kids that come in And they're translating for their parents that might need glasses. And I feel like it's a lot of pressure putting on a fifth grader to be able to fill out medical paperwork, to understand all of these things, to be translating medical terms, that things that they might not even need to know as a child. So I'm just trying to uh, bridge that gap there, too. Okay. And so, um, and I'm going to give you this advice as well, too. If you see the opportunity where you can use your expertise in the classroom and make some additional income, definitely do it. I know New York is huge, so I know that, like, you guys have the budget where it's like, you know, I'm not – actually, now that I think about it, you said the kids take the New York Regents yes. uh, exams. Who puts together – you know what testing company puts together that exam? Is it um, Questar? I'm thinking Pearson. Pearson and Pearson owns so many different small testing companies or assessment companies that I wouldn't be surprised if they might be a part of Pearson. So I would encourage you and anybody else, look, whatever state you are in is to see who is actually responsible, who's the vendor that does the state assessment, because it's not the state that does it solo, you know, they usually right. hire that out, but they need educators. Like they need content specialists. They need uh, people to do, that's what I'm actually doing in Nashville. I'm doing uh, item review. I was here in January, February. They paid me for that. Um, I did passage review um, and we're supposed to be wow. doing, um, what is it? Bias, like bias review to check each item, see if there's any type of bias sensitivity that we need to check for. So they put me up in a hotel. They feed me good. They give me a per diem. Wow. Okay. They pay me for my mileage. You know, it's easy money. Yeah, like, it's you know, easy money. Why not? And, I need to do some uh, you research. You might be able to get a few days off of school too. So you know, that's nice. PD hours. That's not not that you don't want to be around the babies, but it's good to take a few days away. They miss you. You miss them. The heart grows fonder and <laughs> with distance, right? So definitely. So definitely look into that. Um, like you I said, will, tutoring. Definitely. I know some schools do do pay tutoring. I know there's a lot of educators out there that are doing the um, starting their own tutoring companies. Is that something that you ever considered before? I've thought about that. I've definitely okay. thought about that. Um, I'm just thinking about all different things. And being in New York, there's so much that it's right. like you don't even know where to begin. So right now I'm just writing different things down and doing my research just to pinpoint exactly where I want to be. Now, let me ask you this. How often are you at the uh, eyeglass store? Like, how, how often are you doing a, the second career? I work there a couple of days on um, during the weekend, Fridays okay. and Saturdays usually, because I want to ded- I like to dedicate time during the week to students if I need to, if I have any meetings, things like that. Yeah, and I'm at the dealership probably about three or four days a week. Every weekend, pretty much. And yeah, we're open like seven days a week, even Sundays. Um, so I'm usually there Saturday and Sunday. Um, I do the other podcast, usually on Sunday nights. 
and then this podcast well i just started this one this summer so i've got to figure out that schedule when school starts right. back like when am I, will, will i be able to fit this in but trust me it will definitely happen um so yeah I'm, yeah usually three or four times i'm at the dealership so listen to what we're saying like you've got to find a way to make it work like yes. and i've got kids at home and like yeah they want to see dad and i want to see them too but some nights by the time i get home they're knocked out asleep they've taken their Aww. bath brushed their teeth they sleep yeah and for me like that's my motivation like to keep going but just like you because you said you don't have any kids right now right right oh, wait for it wait for it wait for <laughs> it be patient it's coming yeah um, uh but i'll say this like you know you're self-motivated, right? Like you have that intrinsic motivation, like you said, where you want more. And I feel like, 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 I'm, I think I need to write a book about this because I get so <laughs> frustrated about it. Like, seriously, like, think about it. Think about it for a second. Yeah. You're an educator, meaning you're educated, mm -hmm. meaning you're intelligent, mm -hmm. meaning you have the ability to learn things quickly and you know how you learn, you know, metacognition, like I'm a visual learner. So I know if I'm trying to acquire or ascertain new information, then I'm going to create visuals to help me learn these new concepts. Right. You can apply that to anything. Absolutely. Um, I know educators who are involved in real estate. They flip houses. They make a lot of money flipping houses. Um, I know educators who are heavy in the investments. They did the you know whole cryptocurrency. They yeah, I've been looking into that also. That. Yeah, that was huge, right? That yeah. was huge. Um, and allegedly it's coming back around because, right. you know, a lot of it dropped and people start selling like crazy. And so allegedly it's going to start coming back around. They're saying now is a good time to start buying cryptocurrency. But even if you don't want to deal with the crypto, just play the stock market. Yeah, you know, investing like is important. Learning. What was that? Investing is important. I think um, being a, uh, I, I've spoken, I spoke to another black educator last week actually and he was saying how you know being black not only just being black you know being a minority but being black in america being an african-american we are not born into wealth there's right. a few of us that are but the majority of us aren't so that's another thing which drives me because you know i'd like to create generational wealth at least for yep. my children and grandchildren so that they at least don't have to pay for college when they go Exactly. Like I'm in crazy debt from college student loans. I mean, I don't regret any dollar. I loved every dollar that I spent. Right, <laughs> but right. at the same time, I had to take on these loans because my parents weren't able to pay for my college education. So I don't want my children to go through that. I want them to be able to, if they choose to go to college, that the funds are there. And whatever you choose to do that, you know, you're not really worried about the funds because growing up, I feel like I always worried about, okay, do we have the money for this? Do I have the money for this? I don't want them to worry about that. I want them to worry about other things. Like how can I invest and make my wealth grow? You know? Exactly. And, um, I'm not sure if I've recommended this on the show before. I'll say it again. I'll probably recommend it a billion times. Um, check out the millionaire teacher. Okay. Um, it's Barnes and Noble, Amazon, my, maybe even find on the live, uh, at your local library or whatnot. Um, but the millionaire teacher, and I can't think of the name of the author cause I don't have the book with me right now. Um, but he talks about, he works in, I don't know if he's in DC area, but he's in a wealthy area, maybe Prince George's County or something like that. Mm -hmm. And he works for a school district where the parents make a lot of money, like most of them are millionaires. And so when he has a parent teacher conference or some type of meeting, 
typically, you know, they're used to talking down on teachers, especially if they disagree with you or if their kids' grades aren't, you know, where they think they should be, then, you know, they'll speak down. They're condescending. So right. he's had to deal with that. He, unlike other teachers, he doesn't allow that. And the reason why he doesn't allow that is simply based on the fact that he has invested uh, invested in real estate heavy. And he's flipped houses. He's grown um, his portfolio. And so he's a millionaire. And wow. I forgot, he like teaches chemistry or something like that. In high school, I think it's in the D.C. area. But, yeah, The Millionaire Teacher, I encourage everyone to check it out. Um, there was another book that I did have that I let someone have. <laughs> and it was, um, I think it's out of print now. But basically, the teacher um, <clears throat> invested in real estate as well. Um, and he made a lot of money. Um, and actually, you know what? I said that incorrectly. The Millionaire Teacher, he didn't invest in real estate. He invested in, um, like, SP500s. Oh, okay. Um, I've been, I was doing research on those. Yeah, that's like... Interesting. <clears throat> so it's it's extremely conservative. Yes. Um, but there's still some risk attached to it. I mean, of course, it's investing and it's the stock market. But instead of saying, hey, I want to buy 100 of, you know, shares of Apple or, hey, I want to buy 100 shares of Nike, like that's a start, but that's probably not the best way to invest your money. Instead, he recommends like getting into like a SP500 which is like a proven financial product that don't buy just one solo stock but it gives you a little bit of everything right, right. so if you look at like the um, New York Stock Exchange right like over 60 years how it performs it always performs very well right like it might go down one year but if you look at it over a span the return of investment it's is going to go like back 11, up 11 12 percent and it's like you can grow money through compound interest. That's another thing too. Like we're yes, too smart not to compound read interest. Oh my goodness, compound interest. I'm so glad you mentioned that. But go ahead. Well, I'm just saying, like we're too smart to not study stuff, right? Like we are highly intellectual, mm -hmm. and we know we are, right? Otherwise, we wouldn't be teachers, right? Why don't we study money? I just started that, and I'm like, I feel like I'm late. But I'm not. I hope I'm not, not late. <laughs> you're not late at all. Hey, is you still you still working? Your brain is still functioning, right? Right. You still got that drive. You still got that work ethic. Trust me, it's never too late to start investing. It's never too late to learn money, right? right. Like it's never too late. Um, do you follow Dr. Boyce Watkins at all? No, I do not. But you know who he is. I've heard of him. Yeah, he's a professor, and he's got the. Um, what is it? Black real estate school, black. Yeah. Black something. Um, but I know he has a black wall. Um, is it black wall street? He's got an investment website. Um, and he's got a school where basically he takes African Americans and he teaches them about finance. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I encourage everyone check out, uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins, but he said those who study money, get money like they know how to earn money like it's not an issue like they right. know about compound interest they know about all these financial products they know about the upsides and downsides of real estate like um they know about moonlighting starting their own business and growing it and like people there are tax benefits to having your own business and so like for you you've got your own podcast have you started to um like look at it from like a legal standpoint as far as like a LLC or a DBA or anything like that? Like, Yes, I have. Um, I've been actually looking into um, incorporating Yolanda Faye itself. 
Okay. Because that is pretty much the umbrella umbrella brand over the podcasting, over the women improvement empowerment. <coughs> excuse me, and even women improvement. And um, I've definitely looked into that. I'm looking into um, seeing if I could get it incorporated here in Long Island where I am. The thing about Long Island is that we have different counties. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with New York, like New York City, they have the different boroughs, Brooklyn, Manhattan, the Bronx. Uh, In Long Island, it's sectioned like that as well. It's just Nassau County and Suffolk County. So there's different things that and different regulations that are um, specified to the county, whereas in other parts, I think it's specified to the state. So I'm doing a little research on that because I definitely want to monetize this. I feel like um, people, the narrative needs to get out there. The narrative about black educators, the narrative about, you know, young women overcoming different obstacles in life and being successful and the, you know, just building and growing wealth. I think that's really where I started with all of this. Like, where can I start to gain wealth? That's really where it is. And like you said, you study money and money comes to you. So that's what I'm trying to get. (laughs) Definitely, definitely. Now, um, so let's talk podcasting a little bit. And for listeners listening to this podcast, um, how can they find yours? Um, my podcast is available on iTunes. It's also also available on SoundCloud and Google Play. It's Jonesin with Jonesy. Jonesin is spelled J-O-N-E-S-I-N with an apostrophe. With Jonesy is spelled J-O-N-E-S-Y. So what are some of the ways that you've thought about like monetizing like the podcast? Like I'll tell you, like um, between this one um, and the other one, I have the Three Bearded Kings podcast, which you guys can find on iTunes, Stitcher or Google Play. Um, Podbean, too, is on Podbean as well. Um, And you said you got yours on SoundCloud. Yes. See, I can't mess with SoundCloud. Really? Well, you know what, though? I have a lot of friends. We got too many episodes. (laughs) I don't want to pay. I don't want to pay. Oh, I'm paying yeah. enough people. I don't want to pay anybody else. Yeah, it's true. It's Are you true. doing the unlimited then? Um, right now, I guess I'm doing using it for whatever room it has. I was thinking about moving my podcast over to another engine to because there is some that are unlimited. So I'm not trying to pay right. for that. I feel like there's other things that I can pay for as investing. Exactly, exactly. But like for for everything that I've been doing with podcasting. Um, you know, there's Patreon, which Patreon is hit or miss. There's some people that are making a lot of money off of Patreon. Really? Have you heard of that? Really? I haven't heard of that. How do so you spell Patreon, that? It's uh, P-A-T-R-E-O-N um, dot com. And there's okay. an app to it, too. Basically, you ask your Leonard, uh, Leonard, you ask your listeners to contribute to your podcast. Ah. So you set what you want them to donate pretty much they can donate whatever mm-hmm. um i've had people donate a dollar a month five dollars a month ten dollars and i got uh i got one person donating twenty dollars a month uh on the other podcast so that helps with like studio fees and expenses and marketing oh, yeah, and other things that we're trying to put together um and then with this one i haven't started a patreon yet I probably will eventually. Um, right now, I'm just focused on the content and growing the community. Um, but that's one option. Um, mm-hmm. Listeners, you know, if you got a podcast or you're thinking about starting a podcast, Patreon will allow your real fans or real supporters to financially support you. Like, it, it can't get any realer than that. Um, and, you know, but people usually want something, though, right? 
Yeah, I mean, like people usually want something, so I don't want to just get somebody ten dollars a month. Like, what do I get from it besides your podcast? Like, what what do I get from it? Um, so another option, um, I've got uh, we got merchandise. Mm-hmm. So we've got we've got shirts, hoodies. Yeah, I saw that. I need um, to get one of yeah. those. Yep, and I just released some shirts for the Black Scholars Podcast. Right. What I'm actually gonna do because I like studying African. Um, history, like our origins and like the actual empires and how we used to run everything. Mm-hmm. And so the first shirt that I release is um, dedicated to the Mali Empire with Massa Musa. And then like the next is going to be like the Kush, the Kushite um, kingdom. And so that's going to be a specific color. And I'm going to just keep it going, keep it going, keep yeah. it going. I might even do a Wakanda shirt or something like that. Nice. You know? Yeah, so I'm just going to keep it going like that. We're staying in line with you know, basically the theme of the show of right. black excellence, black scholarship. Um, so I'm going to do that. So that's one right. merchandise, you know, whether that's a hat, cup, book bag, people want stuff, right? Like they, yeah, give you definitely. Money. they like, they like the product. Right. So, um, that's one thing to do. Um, people are now doing in podcasts, live events. Do you listen to the, uh, Joe button podcast at all? I've listened to it a few times, but everyone, Oh my God. He's like, everyone loves him. He's Joe funny. Yeah, he's funny. Joe Button is dope, yeah. Um, and I followed Joe Button musically before he made this transition over into becoming a media head, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they are doing live podcasts, and they're not the only one. Because um, Charlemagne has a podcast, uh, Brilliant Idiots, and there's a, there's a bunch of them out there. But they are doing live events, and people are not only paying to watch you have a conversation watch you do a podcast and interact with you but they're also um buying merchandise there so if you got shirts and hoodies and cups and stuff they're buying them and they're paying to see you perform and to be able to interact with you and be a part of the show so that's another you know way to monetize podcasting um and there's like a billion and one i'm working on the book (laughs) book it's gonna be called um welcome to black wall street and so I'm going to create two versions of the book. The okay. first version was supposed to be for the Three Bearded Kings podcast, but I want to do a special version just for black educators. That's nice. Yeah. I think that'd you know be about, good. You know about Black Wall Street? Tulsa, yeah. Oklahoma, and whatnot? Oh my goodness. Tulsa, have, you know Jay Morrison, right? Yes. We talked <laughs> we, about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we talked about that. Yeah, him and his wife. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I've been seeing a lot of hate online. I know. Oh my gosh. Why, why do they hate him so much? I have no idea. I mean, this man, first of all, he's raised over $10 million. Yeah. So there's no reason to hate. He can build a whole community with everything that he has. I think he's he's definitely going to do it because what do you, if he just blows that money, it's not going to be good for him. Like karma. And he's got, gonna yeah, it's not going to happen. And he has money already from his yeah. real estate investments and whatnot. So it, that wouldn't even make sense, right? Right. Um, but definitely, yeah, that's a dope. What is that project called? Um, the Tulsa Real Estate Fund. Tulsa Real Estate Fund, and basically it's building Black Wall Street, right? Right, exactly. That's what my book is about. That's it's exa- about building, because let's be honest, let's be real. All black and brown people will never 100% come together. Would you agree with that? I totally agree. Some I wish I wish we could, but... Some are too brainwashed, like you said. Some, they grow up with money. They're uh-huh. disconnected, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately. Um, some people are just far removed and just gone and not interested in doing anything. But if you look at Asian communities, you look at um, the Jewish communities, they are 
practicing cooperative economics or power economics or group economics, whatever you want to call it. So my thing is, if it's me and you Mm -hmm. and we get three other podcasters or educators, we can build our own Black Wall Street, right? Hey, I'm down for it. And then, but not only that, but we got to share the knowledge. We got to share the information. That's the thing. So it can be repeated like a copy and paste type of thing. Like, okay, this is what we're doing in Long Island. This is what we're doing in Memphis. We need you to do this in Nashville. We need you to do this in Chicago. We need you to do this in Atlanta. It can be a small group. It doesn't have to be everyone. But everyone, I I guarantee, if they see what everybody is doing, they'll start believing and they'll start contributing and trying to be a part of that. And that's how it has to start. Like, you got to start out small. You'll never convince all of black America to put their money together. Nope. You'll never convince that. And I think it's definitely... convince 10 people. You're right. And it's key to start. Like, Like you said, it's key Like to start. Like, some people... You know, a lot of people have dreams, but they don't know where to start. Like if we're setting it up, setting the platform up and building the foundation and we're just saying, okay, just run with us and let's do this. I think more people would be, you know, eager to do that as opposed to starting it on their own. Exactly. And the key thing, too, um, it's about collaboration. Like it's hard to try to do. And I know how some people are because I'm kind of that way myself. I like doing stuff by myself. And the reason why I like doing stuff by myself, because I know I'm not going to let myself down. Right. Yeah. Like I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to depend on someone else because they might drop the ball. And then now I'm looking like, yo, you just messed it up. Yeah. I know I'm not going to mess it up myself. And if I do mess it up myself, I know how to fix it or at least I'll figure it out. Right. But honestly, that's the problem. We've been too individualistic. Individualism is mm-hmm. that paradigm that we got to shake. And um, we got to start collaborating. We, we got to start helping each other. We got to start sharing ideas. Like, I try not to hide anything. If I know a way for all of us to come up, if I know a way for everybody to make some money, if I know a way for everyone to make an impact, then I'm going to share that information. And I feel that application. And I wish more people were like that. So I'm, I definitely collaborate. And I will continue to increase my collaboration because, um, you know, more than one mind can actually um, create some great things. You know, yeah, you definitely. can do some dope stuff by yourself. But when you collaborate, you can create some great things. So definitely, definitely. Um, so let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. So what's going to be the next steps for you um, as far as the podcast and any business moves that you're going to make? Like, what's the next step for you? Well, like, Where do you want to see it? Just like ha- you had mentioned yourself, um, me and one of my friends, she's another um, women empowerment advocate. We're trying to launch a, uh, I wouldn't say trying, we are launching a shirt, a tank top this summer for the ladies. We're going to no. get shirts for men, but for different empowerment reasons, you know. But uh, right now we're just trying to launch this shirt that uh that says slay committed like because people are always saying oh you're slaying you're slaying and I feel like yeah it's good to slay but most of the time when people are saying they're slaying is because they look good but my thing is not just look good but you need to be doing good you need to be living good you need to be doing better for yourself and you also need to be committed to that like you know don't just stay committed to you know, the relationship, because that's the relationship you're in, but you got to slay committed to different things in life. Like me and my podcast, I need to slay committed to this because this is my dream. This is me getting my narrative out. This is me, um, getting the voice of us black educators of other people of different realms out there. Like this is 
really what you need to do. So I want to start um, launching those T-shirts. I also want to do mugs because I love drinking tea and coffee. <laughs> so I, I'm like, I need these mugs. Teach and, your life. Um, yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's like every day. It's like I drink more tea than anything because coffee is so bad for you. But I want to get these mugs out. It's just a few little things, uh, merchandise that I want to get out and things also that involve my podcast. I want to get um, a logo made for um, the podcast and stuff like that. I'm still in the beginning stages of all this, of branding and stuff, but I'm definitely trying to get all of these things out there so that I can have a great summer. And I'm glad that I got into this this year because I planned it out well so that in the summertime, I can dedicate more time into my personal branding business. You know what I mean? Definitely. And that's the exact reason why I waited to launch this podcast, I said, let me wait till the summertime. Right. Because you know how it is around state testing time. I couldn't play then. Right. Um, last couple of weeks of school are crazy. I said, let me just wait till I'm officially out. Give <laughs> yeah. myself like, you know, a couple of week breathers, you know, like a little breathing time. Um, and then I went ahead and got into it. And I'm glad that I did. And uh, the ultimate goal is just to build it up so it's self-sustaining. So I'd love to have like a billion episodes like just sitting there waiting for me to just hit publish and then everything's just like on autoplay it's just like oh you actually think that i'm actively doing these episodes right now i'm not i'm actually working on the book right for you you know and that's what it's about it's right. about being smart smart with your time strategic um, yeah being genuine because you know what you're saying with your shirts um and with your mugs and anything else that you decide to sell mm -hmm. you've given so much free you've dropped so many gems you've given so much content to people right. that they will i don't want to say buy anything that you're selling but once they believe in you you know people follow what they believe in right you they know, buy they, your they buy you not your product exactly like you know we follow god because that's who we believe in right mm -hmm. like the kids will follow you or they will listen to you or they will trust you or they will share with you because they believe in you and more than likely because you believe in them as well. So um, I think that's an, an important like reciprocity as far as a relationship um, between, you know, listener and podcaster or entrepreneur and customer. Um, so that's really what I'm just trying to hone in on is like, how can I help more black educators? And this is really the first stop is like, or first start is basically, Hey, we got a platform, so mm -hmm. let's use it. You know, yep. um, everybody can't be on the show, but <laughs> everyone could definitely be a part of the show. Yes. You know? They could definitely be a part. So definitely that's dope. So tell me this. Mm-hmm. For our black educators listening. Well, first, let me ask you this before I ask you that. Let me ask you this. So as a black scholar, as a black educator, what do you think needs to be done in the profession that would improve it for us? I think um, in the profession as an educator, like so from behind the scenes, I think they should incorporate teaching us about finance because I feel like when I was going to school, getting my bachelor's degree, only because finance is so big right now, like it's the world. And getting my bachelor's degree, one of my best friends, she was in school for business. And all the whole school, SUNY Albany, was all about business. And there were a lot of things that everyone was talking about that I was not aware of. And I felt like being in college, I should have been aware of these things. But it was just that it wasn't taught to me. So certain things like... Um, like freshman composition, something that we're, we have to take in college. I think 
there's certain things as black educators that we need to look into as far as even just educating ourselves just because it's not part of our curriculum we should look into these different things just because these resources are there and we can utilize these tools to benefit and you know grow definitely definitely um now i lost my train of thought oh i was gonna ask you so what's um what's a book that you've recently read or a book that you highly recommend that you think other black educators um, should check it out? And it could be related to education or it can be related to business. Um, since we are talking about how to side hustle and make some additional income, like what would you, what would you recommend? Well, the actual, um, I'm part of a book club actually. Okay. And um, I think I seen you, I think I seen you post something about that too. Yeah. For Brown girls. The book that we're reading now is uh, For White Folks Who Teach in the Hood and the Rest of Y'all Too by Chris Emden. And he's all about hip hop ed and incorporating, you know, if you're a white teacher teaching the brown kid, are you, are you the best educator for this child? Do you really understand all of the circumstances and challenges that this child may be going through because you're not a brown person? You know what I'm saying? And right. I think that um, in the school that I'm working in, it is the first time, actually, I meant to mention that before, it's the first time that I've been in an environment where it's predominantly black. It's it's a lot of Spanish. It's about half Spanish, half black, but the neighborhood that I'm in is predominantly black. Now, growing up, I grew up around a lot of Spanish people, a few black people, but it was a, a nice mix of everybody. And being in this environment, I've noticed that um, there's a feeling of certain people educating their kids and I get it. So I feel like, you know, this book is talking about all of these things. And I think as a black educator, I think we all should be reading this book because just because we are black and we might be teaching some Brown kids, there are some things that, you know, maybe we're not conscious of from the other side that these students may be experiencing. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes I have students that come into my classroom and they may be upset from whatever they may have experienced from another teacher. And they may be expressing this to me because they feel a little bit more comfortable for me with me because of my skin color or nationality. So I think it's definitely important that um, as black educators, you know, we do need to educate ourselves and we do need to read books like this that just give us a different perspective of the classroom. And what was the name of that book again? The name of the book is let me get that real quick. For White Folks Who Teach in the Hood and the Rest of Y'all Too by Chris Emden. For White Folks Who Teach in the Hood and the Rest of Y'all Too. I like that. That's <laughs> yeah. a good title. That's dope. How far are you in the book? I'm about halfway in the book. Okay. Okay. This author actually, um, he actually came to my uh, high school in the beginning of the school year. And that's what interests me into the book. And uh, man, when he came, he gave a show. <laughs> he really? made, I'm sure he made people feel uncomfortable. I'm right. sure he made people move in their seat, you know, thinking Good. about the title of the book. He was talking about all of that. But I'll Good. definitely um, let you know how it is when I finish it. Okay. Yeah, let me know. That sounds like uh, something that I need to check out. And so let me ask you this. Is there a quote that you live by or a quote that you'd like to share with black educators? Uh-oh, you reaching. What you yeah. reaching for? Looking mm. for a book. Got something written down. No, I have okay. I have this. I have quotes on my bed, okay. <laughs> above my bed, above my headboard, Dope. and um, a lot of these quotes are like real. So this one here, 
My Soul Runs Deep Like the Rivers by Langston Hughes. That is one of my favorite quotes, mainly because um, just thinking about life in general, like you could just be, you know, from seeing all of people dealing with depression and kids dealing with depression and dealing with suicide, I feel like a lot of these children, they have beautiful souls, but Mm -hmm. they're just, they don't, maybe they don't know how to get, express themselves. Maybe they're put down for whatever reasons and they feel like their soul is not important but I feel like that quote is just like it gives gives me power, so I would like that for give other to give others power, you know. Um, Langston Hughes, first of all, that's my favorite poet. <laughs> um, I named He's my awesome. son Langston after Langston Hughes. Wow. Yep, Langston. Um, my favorite poem from Langston Hughes might be um, boy, what is it called? Is it the stairs, I think, where he's talking about his mom and his mom is like, he's like reminiscent. I think it's called the stairs. I got to double check. But uh, yeah, Langston Hughes is super dope. I love that whole Harlem Renaissance. Yes. Deep is deep. So much talent. So much talent. Um, so many gifts. Mm -hmm. Let's not even call it talent, right? Right. Gifts. Gifts. And, um, you know, people don't give it its credit, but I feel like the Harlem Renaissance movement, like that was Black Wall Street. That too. really was. Like that was I talk Black Wall Street too. I talk about that with, with my with dad more all the time. Right? Yes, yeah. yes, I talk Definitely. about that all the time. Dope. Any last words you want to leave Black educators with who are listening? Well, mainly, um, just don't think that you know being a teacher. Once you become a teacher, like, that's it. That's that's what you were made to be. Because I feel like being an educator, being a teacher, you were definitely made to be more. And if you are made to be more, why not monetize? So let's get this money. Let's educate our kids. And let's just live the best life that we can live. Right. Because especially if you're an effective educator, you love what you're doing, there's no reason to sit back and be broke. Right. No one cares. Right. You can be the best teacher in the world and your house can be close to foreclosure or your car is close to being repoed. No one cares. Those kids aren't going to come through and give you, you know, money. a lot of them are struggling themselves, depending on what type of school you work in. Right. Their parents are not going to come through. They're trying to keep the lights on. They're working three jobs. Nobody cares. Even some of your own relatives. And I don't want to say that they don't care, but, you know, maybe they're not capable of helping. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't even want that. Like, you should want it for yourself. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, dope conversation. Yeah. Dope Thanks for inviting me. Um I really hope listeners listening to the podcast can actually get something from it, not just like motivational or inspirational, but something that they can use to actually like apply to improve their lives. Right. Because, um, again, we all know, you know, unless all of education is about to be privatized by Fortune 500 companies across the country, we're not going to be paid what we are worth. However, however, if you are willing to go above and beyond, be flexible with your time, um, you can make a lot of money. Yep. You know, compound interest, investing, 
You know, follow your passion. Everybody's got a passion. Everybody's got a gift. Everybody's got a talent. Are you using it? If you just come home after teaching for seven and a half hours or more and, man, I'm tired. You kick off your shoes. You, you know, take a shower, do whatever. Order some pizza and you're on the couch eating chips and pizza like every single day, Monday through Friday, and you don't do anything with your weekends, then you deserve to be broke. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. That's really wasting a lot of time. You're wasting time. Yeah. You're wasting time. Read about money. Educators, please study money. Those who study money. Yes. Get money. Yep. You can be an educator and have nice things. I don't know where that notion went that, you know, I'm an educator. They don't, they underpay us. This is the only thing I can do. Like you're what you're like one of the smartest professionals professions in the world Mm -hmm. like you can learn any skill you want to right pretty much it's a matter of will right putting your mind to it so i'll say that with that and i'll get off my soapbox for now i'll be back (laughs) on another episode but i'm I'm stay off of it for now but thanks again for inviting me um black scholars podcast is awesome i love all the episodes thanks guys for listening thank you everyone yeah, I'm subscribed to yours too. And where can they find you again on IG and then also the podcast? Yes, on IG, Yolanda Fay 421. That's all together. And the podcast is Jonesin with Jonesy. It's available on iTunes and Google Play. iTunes and Google Play. Yep. Dope. Check it out. All right, we out. Hey guys, thanks again for tuning in. Jonesy with Jonesy. Today's interview, again, was with Black educator from Memphis, Tennessee, Leonard Wilson. And um, I want to thank you guys again for listening. And don't forget to tune into the next episode. The information for Leonard Wilson is going to be in the brief description. So make sure you check that out, too. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, all that, all that.